0: A recent shooting of a veterinary clinic team member in Kentucky has the entire veterinary internet world ablaze. This week we want to talk about what you should learn from these tragedies and how we can hopefully prevent future episodes this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a tough topic that we have discussed, unfortunately, too many times over the last six and a half years here on the Veterinary Viewfinder is workplace violence. I personally have encountered it. I've been the victim of gun violence in my own clinics over the years. And this week, we want to talk about what happened in Kentucky and what lessons we can learn. But before we start that discussion. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward.
1: And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser.
0: And Becky, thanks again. Uh, You're traveling the last couple of weeks. or joining us from a hotel in Texas, but we just felt like we needed to have this conversation sooner than later. And Becky, maybe just for the viewfinders that aren't up to speed on what happened at the Shively Veterinary Clinic in Kentucky, maybe just give them a brief little background.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think probably most of us have heard by now, and I don't want to speak outside of what is being released because there's still a lot of information coming in about this but the bottom line is a veterinary team member was shot and killed inside of a veterinary clinic after an altercation that stemmed from a woman coming in to collect her sick dog who did not have money to pay the bill and she wanted her dog, and um, w- what we do know is that she did post on, on Facebook prior to going back to Shively Animal Clinic and saying basically that she was going to get her dog back no matter what. It's one of her kids, and that's all there was to it. So right. um, with that, um, unfortunately, Trent T.J. Taylor, who was only 21, was killed on Sunday Um it, in this animal hospital, in this altercation, um, so no matter what the cause, no matter no matter what went down, what we know is we have a, a veterinary professional who has been killed, and we have a bill be a bill, a, a, you know, a, <laughs> is the reason this twenty one year old lost his entire life, and I think that's the part we kind of really wanted to focus on is is how can we make sure these types of situations are avoided? And what can we do to protect our teams?
0: Yeah. And sadly, viewfinders, in fact, I'll, I'll leave a link here. We had a similar situation uh, several years ago, so much so that I actually made a video to discuss this. And, you know, it, it was kind of provocatively titled, uh, you know, why don't we treat them for free? Similar situation around people abandoning or the veterinarian taking you know ownership of the pet when they couldn't pay the bill. But I think, Becky, today, what we want to talk about, number one, is, is again, some of those things that we should be doing in our clinics to keep ourselves safe? And number two, what happens if this type of violence erupts around you? And I think the first thing, Becky, that I want to say is this is one of those areas where staff training is essential. And right now, if you don't have like some kind of workplace safety officer or someone who maybe takes some continuing education or compiles policies and procedures for your team and then shares and trains them uh, I think you should do that right away I mean Becky you're always an advocate for training and plans and staying a step ahead I think this is one of those no-brainers and it's something that that I actually did in response to the very first time I had a client threaten me with a gun uh, and we said hey we really don't know exactly how to handle it I reached out to our local police uh, department and they gave me all kind of resources in fact brought an officer in and just gave us a quick little workplace safety overview and you know which we then carried that on for many years Becky what about you what's what's the the first thing bit of advice you want to give the viewfinders as far as preparation?
1: I think the first thing when I think about preparation is conversations with your team. First and foremost, finding out, not even finding out I think communicating with your team, just in general, it's it's the number one concern to me. So whether that is a safety checklist, whether that's a safety rundown in meetings, whether that's a daily briefing, whether that's all of the above, um, I, the idea that somebody could come into a clinic and have only been there on their first day or their first couple days and not know where emergency panic buttons are, any type of, you know, say a fire extinguisher, which makes a great right, self-defense right. item when needed, those types of things, and and what the overall clinic plan is in cases of emergency, and that's whether it's a fire, an earthquake, or a robbery, um, because that's the time I think we're the most vulnerable without really knowing what goes on within the clinic.
0: Right. And I think one of those, those important procedures and policies is, okay, what to do if you feel threatened, right? Because I mean, I hate to say this, Becky, but you know I I think that's the world we live in today. Where there's a good chance, if you're a veterinary professional listening to this podcast, you're going to encounter some type of violence at some point in your career. And as I mentioned at the outset, you know I've had this happen a couple of times. In fact, it was was interesting. You know, every time when people talk about you know gun violence and so forth, I I guess I've so compartmentalized that and pushed it away, Becky. And my wife always has to remind me. Well, actually. (laughs) You know, you were a victim, you know, people pulling guns and threatening to kill you is is one of those issues. Fortunately, it was I've never been shot. But, you know, Becky, I think it's a conversation, like you said, that we need to have beforehand. I mean, and I don't think it's a bad conversation or a negative conversation. I think today it's a real conversation.
1: It's never been more real. I mean, it it is. And I want to say this. And it's. The thing is, is that there are now a lot of traumatized people and it's so often that we're doing things too late and we talk about that all the time. Um, but it is very real right now. Since COVID, I think everyone ha- can agree we have just seen this huge influx of people acting out in all kinds of different ways. And right. we've, we've talked around this conversation quite a bit. We've not really dove into it. Um, you know, but I am seeing more and more code of conduct pretty much everywhere I go. And there is less tolerance, more enforcement happening all around the country in all kinds of places because of people's quote unquote bad behavior and this this sudden inability to tolerate each other. And I'm sure sociologically there's a lot that drives this, um, but it just seems like we are, are really moving into a low tolerance, high action right, <laughs> um right. society where people are really again at this incredibly low tolerance to where things are just i just feel like they're escalating so much so more so so much often and i feel i feel like it used to be violence was the rarity right. you know i mean i know when i was in emergency clinics we have received lots of threats we've had things thrown in the cl- emergency lobby like people trashing it and, and being scary right, Tra- right. being angry and, and having big feelings um but what we're seeing now are people actually acting on it we are just seeing physical assaults and in this case a a shooting death and um i think again it's it's getting to a, a boiling point where we have to take it very seriously and start talking about thinking about what we can do as a as a profession. And then even just within our own circles to make sure our staff and ourselves are, are protected and, and prepared because what we know about all types of emergency, you know, when I lecture about all kinds of behaviors, I go back to stop, drop, and roll. Most people have not been lit on fire almost every person can tell you if they were they're right. going to stop drop and roll and and they didn't have to get caught on fire to know that rule. We were children of the 80s where everything was flammable and we right. needed to know. <laughs> right, right. So it's like I need us to all have a stop drop and roll for emergency situations not a retroactive um okay, let's let's debrief and figure out how we can avoid that again.
0: Right. And again, viewfinders, this is one of those areas where I think preparation goes a long, long, long way. And I can't, it's not, maybe I'm not going to avoid this tragedy in Kentucky. I, I can't say that because this seems almost premeditated in many aspects. And again, we don't know all the particulars. There's the investigation. I think they've just wrapped it up, and I think charges are forthcoming as we record this. But, you know, Becky, again, it's like you said, it's the stop, drop, and roll. What do you do? And, and I will say this. This is one of those areas also where I kind of think that, you know, people posting client codes of conduct, that's not going to solve this either. You know, I mean, the, the people that are actually going to pay attention and adhere to that are not the people that are going to cause violence in your workplace. So, you know, I, I, I kind of think Think that's that's great and everything, but I don't really think it solves any problems. What I do think will solve a problem is saying what should you do, how should you respond if you feel threatened physically in an exam room or in a lobby or something like that. You know, Becky, I think those are the real tangible benefits of preparation. Not you know telling clients, okay, thou shalt not cuss at me. <laughs> you know, I just don't yeah. think that's really going to necessarily solve or even de-escalate something like this.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's exactly right. I think. There's a we have to be realistic, and I think setting the expectation is important, but the follow through is even more important. And the ability you know, I think this is another area where we talk about training, we talk about education, we tell our staff, Well, don't let this happen or don't let that happen. But is there anybody or any type of de escalation training in your clinic? Is there any kind of um are you doing anything to help anyone on your team have the ability to work through, talk through, and deal with these types of situations as they pop up? And what are you doing to help your teams know that, and I think you and I have talked about this, that they will be supported when they take these types of actions, which can feel intimidating. Telling a client, get out, or I'm calling the police is, is, is scary because unfortunately a lot of us are like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't get fired.
0: Right. And I think I do want to now turn this conversation towards, I think, you know, how what what real lessons we can learn. And Becky, I'll share with you a true story that happened to me when I was in high school. And uh, this was a period of time when I was actually as a bag boy at a a local grocery store. And it was in a a rough part of town. And I learned a lot of great life lessons there, uh, working there over the summer. And uh, it was one of those deals where the vet I was working with, I was always a volunteer. (laughs) So I had to make money to pay for my car gas and all that. So I actually had to work. Work at Harvey's grocery store to pay for my life, and then volunteer with the vet. So, but um, one of the interesting things that happened was um, we we sort of had this zero shoplifter policy, and um, I never really knew what that meant until it actually happened one day. And suddenly, uh, our associate manager—I'll never forget his face—and I'm not going to say his name, um, but anyway, he he yells, he yells, he goes, "Stop, thief! Stop!" Ernie and another guy, uh, I think his name was Rick, called us down. He said, go, go, go. And so we like just fly out of the the store and then we see a guy taking off running, right? And so we're like running as fast as we can trying to catch this guy because, again, our manager has told us what to do. And out of nowhere, shots ring out over our head. So this associate manager who instantly was a Vietnam vet <laughs> decided to unload a pistol while we're running towards this guy. We're, I hit the deck. I'm like, oh, holy yeah. smokes, what the heck's going on? on. Now, long story short, the the shoplifter gets away, no problem. The police, of course, come and they're like, who's shooting the gun downtown with all these people around? And of course, the guy, you know, loses his job and all that stuff. But the reason I mention that is because Becky, Think about it. Here was a situation when we were put in in life threatening situation over probably a, some candy bars or something. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think that's that's one of the issues too. One of those preparations. It's like you should you should have a conversation with the team right now, of saying, "Hey guys, if you feel threatened, give them whatever it is." Right? Like I don't believe that the way we handled that shoplifter was appropriate in any way, shape, or form. Neither did the police. But you know what I'm saying, Becky? It's like you know if someone's coming in and they're saying. I'm going to hurt you guys, you know, unless you give me my dog, I'm not paying my bill. I mean, what is your response? I think that is something that you need to have a conversation with, right? Because is is this the fight you want to fight? If so, how far are you going to take it? Becky, am I making sense there? But you know, I I'm just drawing out that real experience that happened to me and it it was a life lesson.
1: Well, I think, yeah. And let's kind of actually rewind that because the first thing you really need to look at and talk about and understand here, I think are the legalities because what you did over at candy bar was actually highly illegal, at least in North Carolina, unless you physically see someone with your own very eyes, um, take something and conceal it and leave the store, you know, um, you really don't have a right to stop them. No, and and this was certainly not 80s. to chase them down the- and yeah, then let alone to get yeah, shot at. And so right. um, point being is that there's laws here that say, right. what are your legal rights? If somebody comes into your clinic and they write you a bad check, you have a right to follow up with legal action. And so I guess to me, the no brainer here is an, and, and and was, and it, it just makes me think about a bank robbery, right, is when a bank is being robbed, they tell them, give them the money. Like,
0: Absolutely. D-
1: don't fight, don't resist, don't be a hero, nobody be a hero. Even the security guard standing there who's supposed to keep the place safe is not supposed to be a hero, right? Just give them the money because we have protection and insurance and we have ways of dealing with that. Um, Your life is not worth however much money they're going to get out of a bank drawer. And so, to me, in this situation, I'm thinking this is these, these employees were protecting their business. They were possibly protecting the pet. I don't know the circumstances of health with the pet. I don't know if it was healthy enough to go home or if they were trying to explain that it wasn't healthy enough to go home. Like I literally don't know anything to that effect in, in, in what it was, but what I know is the employees were doing what they thought were right and they thought was right. And be there, in an argument ensued because she didn't want to pay and she wanted her dog back. And I think This is an important specific topic and conversation because there is a difference between, I think about shifts at an emergency hospital where they come in, they've been triaged, we tell them what it costs to treat and they don't have that money and treatment has not started. In this case, it sounds like she left the animal he's been treated and she's going back without the intention to pay and the ability to pay. And now the dog is out of her possession and the employees are between her and her dog. And this seems to me to be the most volatile, dangerous situation is the dog is not in her possession and now she needs to get to it. Now, again, I could be wrong. The dog could have already been handed over. I, I, like, I don't know, but this is what I'm speculating and this is where the real danger comes into me. So I understand we do things like take deposits and part, partial payment, you know, and we do those things to protect our bill. But realistically, do when we have clients who, who are in this state where they don't have the money and they're upset and angry, I mean... Getting them out of the building is the most important thing, right? Not getting right. shot, giving them their... All of that is really important. But proactively, what could we have done possibly? And secondary, at what point within this code of conduct do we draw the line, right? And I think this is the part where people have a really hard time. And I think understanding your legal rights um, from, the, from a, a law perspective and then from being a sued perspective... I think this is an area where people really need to tap into their resources. I don't think you and I have the answers for what keeps everybody safe in different states right, and for right. each different clinic. We know panic buttons. We know keeping doors locked, all of those things, but I really want to underline that there are, so, there are legal aspects to this in the very first place we might not even have the right to legally hold that animal without payment right, as it right. is Absolutely. and 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 that is something that even if you don't get shot might get your co- just get your company in big trouble when you think you're doing the right thing so i think first and foremost it's important to know in your state and your jurisdictions what your legal rights are and are not and how you should legally be handling these situations because in some cases, it's property. In some cases, it's possessions. It's it's, And I think this is a really important aspect that we don't even think about. We just start going and making up rules on our own and could get ourselves in a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And, and even tragic. Uh, you know, one of the things too, Becky, that we used to, this was part of our training and, and it's, it's pretty simple guys. I think everybody here would relate and agree, but I think this is a conversation that needs to be clearly shared and articulated and, and bought in by your staff. And that is, there is nothing in our clinics that is worth your safety. Nothing. Yeah. Right. I mean, come in, you know, if, they, if they're threatening us, take it all, take the x-ray machine. I don't care. right? Yeah. You know, ultrasound. we got two of them. Right. I mean, so that my The point is that I think that we all can relate to how it applies to money or even drugs or equipment or stuff like that, right? But I think that we really don't give thought to what about their own pet, right? So the person comes in demanding, give me all your opioids, right? You're like, hey, take them, man. Just don't shoot anybody, right? I think everybody agrees with that. But what if the person comes in and says, I'm taking my dog, I'm not paying for him, give him to him right now? I think that's where. We're like, wait, how do we handle this, right, Becky? I mean, I think that's really that—that's the—that's the part of the conversation that we haven't had probably as a profession that we really should.
1: Well, I think that's the uniqueness of this situation, yeah, right? Right, right. Is this is sort of what brought it to light, at least for me, um, it, it, and it is the uniqueness of the, the the separation of the pet and parent and and. Um, the response and reaction and give me my dog back, you have my dog and, or my pet of any kind, and then violence ensues. And that's, that you're right, is something I don't think we really have been thinking of. I know we've, we've talked a lot about if they can't pay and get treatment, but when that animal is separated, and then of course I worry about the media sensation that plants the seeds of ideas. So people I'm worried now we'll read this and say, Oh, I I never thought of that. Go ahead and let them treat them. And then I'll just get violent and get my dog back. And I think that's the really scary part of this is it, it it is planting a seed on both sides. Um, It's making me think about and worry about something I haven't before. And I worry that it will um, create a path that other people see as an option that maybe they haven't considered and it's why I think you and I feel it's so important to to talk to our listeners about this so that they have considered the situation from all angles. What do you do if they have the pet? And you're, what do you do if you have the pet, if the hospital has the pet? Because I think we've all seen various situations where even um, people have a pet and we become concerned about what will happen with that pet when the person leaves. Um, okay, fine. I'll just take him out to a field and shoot him because I can't treat him. Um, a pyometra, we know we can't have surgery. They're going to just take her home and hope she does better. Um, you know, we have these conversations. Do we call animal control for a wellness check or not? How do we handle that? And so I think we really need to start breaking down client safety threats and concerns into various scenarios. And think about how we would handle them and, and, and what our staff's action steps should be so that they confidently know how to move through them. And then the last kind of part of that is practicing it. Um, for And this makes me just absolutely sick, but for the same reason that our our students have active shooter drills, we should have the opportunity to practice emergencies in our clinic. And I don't think I see enough of that um, to where when emergencies do happen, we're trying to panic and figure out what we're going to do because we have clients in the room. We have right. animals in our anesthesia. And I mean, scary as it is, I think to myself, what would I do if I was in an exam room and I heard shooting coming from a lobby? Um, I don't know that my actions would be safe. I have to say that. I don't know that I would probably take the steps the active shooter experts would want me to.
0: Right, but if you had thought about it and maybe had some training, you know that gets you somewhere that you aren't right now, right? Because being unprepared is wholly different than having some preparation. And so I'm always a believer in, hey, at least you got something, right? I mean, something is better than nothing, and I, it can't solve all the problems. The other thing too, Becky, that you brought up, and and again, this bears repeating, and that is the unique situation that veterinary professionals find themselves in. See. This doesn't exist anywhere else, like pediatricians don't keep the kids overnight, you know hospitals don't take care you know, I mean, you know so like there's a lot of weird sort of relationships and then property and all these kind of mixed up feelings that we have and and I think that's where this is unique because from a law standpoint. Most of the time, this is just going to be considered property, just like you dropped your car off at the mechanics, right? But from a human perspective, this is like your child that you dropped off at a hospital. And and again, just sort of imagine these scenarios if this were a child in a hospital and people were saying, Nope, we're not giving your kid back till you pay your, your bill. You right? Know? I mean, you can imagine the violence that would result, right, Becky? And so I think that society, Number one is going to have to address and say, how are we going to deal with this, right? Because should there be different charges, like in this case, for example, should this be treated in a different level other than, well, this is just property that somebody was trying to reclaim, you know, it's a property dispute, right? With the result in somebody's death, but should we? How should we deal with that from a societal then from a professional standpoint? We do need additional guidance. Like I do believe that we need to kick off some kind of nationwide awareness campaign with some basic, you know, stop drop and roll, as Becky said, for what to do if there's an active violent situation in your workplace. And again, B-Finders, I wish I had all the answers. I know that after the first time a client threatened me at gunpoint, over their dog, right? Um, and, and, you know, I know I said, hey, I need to get help. I don't know. I mean, I, I got out of it. I, I talked myself out of it, uh, if you will. But, you know, I knew that I needed to get resources. And so luckily, you know, and I'm sure all police departments can supply you with that. But I think that we really do need some kind of concerted effort from a profession to say, hey, you know, this is a real thing. It seems to be getting worse. I don't know how to solve it, but I can try to protect you.
1: A hundred percent, yes, and you know to to your point, I was thinking like I think if I was in an exam room without any training and I heard a commotion and I heard a gunshot, I I think my automatic reaction would be to see what was happening, right? right. And to unfortunately, I am the type of person who moves kind of toward danger, but then I think about what I know about active shooters in terms of exit, hide, and fight. And I immediately think to myself, so we lock the doors, we barricade the doors, we stay hidden in the exam rooms, if, or we try to get out the backside. Like, then I start running through all of the scenarios from what I know about actor shooter training. And I think you're exactly right when we um, consider running these scenarios. And, and I used to tell my teams and students that you know, we would practice CPR, we would practice trauma, we would practice crashing, because anytime. You're in the middle of a normal day and something goes wonky. Right. We want to be able to do it seamlessly, right. and I think we need to start considering this as a, and 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 this is very umbrella overreaching because I think there are a lot of types of emergencies we don't practice talk about, really think about and have a plan for. Um, but, but violence against us from our clients or violence toward our clients is something I think that we have to be on top of. And like you said, whether that's a nationwide campaign, whether that's calling on some of the conferences to start including that in their CE, um, whether that's something AVMA can tap resources for, I don't know, but I think it's something that needs to start being unfortunately a trend because obviously, one life is too many. Yeah.
0: And hopefully, somebody's listening today that will help us, and we'll be willing to do whatever with our powers that be uh, to try to get this thing going. Uh, again, our thoughts and prayers. And it's just so sad to think of the tragedy of the loss of Trent TJ Taylor in the Shively Animal Clinic. Um, you know, again, Becky, I hate that we're having this conversation. It seems like you know we've had this conversation over you know suicides and self harm and depression and burnout and and now this is just another in many tragedies. And so again, viewfinders, um, please let's try to stay safe, but more important, let's try to do things to prevent it in the future. We'd love to know what you think about this topic. We'd love to know if you have any ideas on how we can, as a profession collectively, move towards solutions. Uh, if you do, please, Becky, tell them where they can share it.
1: You guys know you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder and email us anytime at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com.
0: That's right, guys. Stay safe. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. What do you think? Good?